Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Padme, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. How's she going? Not too bad. It's my first day back at uh, full time at work today. So, you know, a little tired and got to get used to working these 12-hour shifts again. But uh, other than that, doing great. Yourself? Oh, peachy. I uh, had a little trip back to Sudbury, visited some family, hadn't seen them in about five years. So it was nice. Awesome. I'm glad you were able to do that. Yeah, this whole deployments then pandemic stuff really Yeah, it takes a it takes a hit on the on the family life, that's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it was a it was a good Thanksgiving. I hope yours was. I, I had a I had a good uh, I had a good holiday weekend and I had a I had a I had a great I had a great week last week, uh seeing Niagara Falls for the first time. Um but uh, yeah, for for my uh, for I didn't really have like a Thanksgiving meal or anything as I've, I've got no family here or anything like that. So uh, for myself, it was uh, you know cooking chicken breast at home and potatoes and vegetables for myself. But it is what it is. Right? I'm kind of used to it over the years missing out on those kind of holidays. But I get it. Yeah, hopefully, I get it. hopefully, I get an extended Christmas and a little bit extra time with family. That's what I'm hoping for. Well. You play your cards right, it'll happen. Uh, fingers crossed. <clears throat> All right, so uh, for this episode, it's our pre uh, pre season opener spectacular. Um, we will cover the opening day roster. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the team itself, uh, what we think of uh, what we think of what we expect, uh, call ups, possible call ups for the future, uh, and a bold prediction. So we'll start with the opening day roster. So before we get into that, we'll talk about the injuries. So <laughs> uh, I guess we picked up where we left off last year with the injuries. We're facing the Canadians having several players out to start the season. And we'll begin with obviously Carey Price is on the uh, long-term injury reserve. Paul Byron, as we record today, is the 11th of October, was placed onto long-term injury reserve as well. It looks like both of them will not play again. Um, and from there, uh, Logan Mayu, 
he's back skating, but he's still injured. Uh, once he's cleared, which we expect sometime in the next week, he'll be returned to uh, London of the OHL. Joel Edmondson, he's skating again on his own. No word yet on whether it's going to take a couple of days or a couple of weeks or longer. Uh, Joel Armia, he is out. Uh, the expectation is for a couple of weeks. Michael Matheson, he was said day to day, but the days are starting to add up. So and he didn't, and he didn't practice, have... and he didn't practice today. So exactly, yeah, it's, he's not going to be dressed for that first game. Yeah, it's not looking like it's one of those. If we had a game, I would play type things as of right now. So exactly. Uh, from there, um, Emil Heineman, he's going to be out for about six weeks. That'll take him to December. And if he, if he's still on the LTI or if he's still injured as of December 1st, he will then be eligible to play in the AHL and they would not have to return him to Europe. They could still return him to Europe, but they don't have to. And it's really too bad that uh, that he had that uh, that injury. I thought he I thought he I thought he looked pretty good at camp from the games that I was able to see. Um, it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of too bad, but it, you know injuries happen. But it's it's one of those players that you were like, God, I, I wanted to see what this guy had. And uh, given the opportunity in the AHL or even to go back to Europe, I thought he would have started the year on a strong note. And now he's gonna have to find his legs again and. Start and like I I don't know how much this is actually going to affect the season in a whole like as a whole. Yeah, I don't know. Um, starting starting late in the season, that's I don't think that's going to help his uh, development. It might slow him down a little bit. Um, so the eventuality of him doing much better than just hanging on, um, I don't know. It'd be nice if he did, but we'll yeah. we'll see. It'll we'll still see. be he'll still be a prospect to watch, that's for sure. And everyone, oh yeah, him, right. Laval's going to have a pretty good lineup this year. There's going to be a lot of uh, up and down, a lot of the call ups up back and forth. They have a ton of young players: uh, Meshach, uh, Massar, just to name a couple. There's going to be a lot of really good players there. Right, right. Um, speaking of lineups, let's get into the Canadians lineup. We'll start. Uh, let's start up front. Start with the forwards. Uh, the first line uh, looks. Uh, why don't you give us the first line? What were the line rushes? So today at practice, uh, they had Cole Caulfield with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson. I don't think there's any surprise there whatsoever. I know a lot of people no. have been pushing for Slavkovsky to be on the top line. Um, some people have actually talked about Monahan being up there as well. I think Anderson's just the natural fit. Um, you know, go with what is comfortable. Go with what you know. And um, for a first game, uh, for for a first couple games, uh, to have this line stay together, I'm okay with it. Put a, put a line that's got a little bit of chemistry together. I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it'll do well. I'm, I agree. I don't think um, don't think Slavkovsky's ready for that. Uh, and judging by no, and, and judging by uh, Saint Louis' comments to Eric Engels today. Um, he, he's definitely not. So he's going to be, he's not going to put him on the power play so that he can focus his energy on the five on five play. And he's going to be playing lower in the lineup so he can manage himself a little bit better and they can work on his game 
game by game. So uh, our second line, uh, as of right now, uh, Monaghan, Doc Hoffman. This is a line that we've talked about a little bit, especially the pairing of uh, Doc and Monaghan, uh, one being stronger on the defensive side, one uh, being much better, you know, one being uh, strong on the defensive side and stronger on faceoffs, uh, one being a little bit more experienced, but maybe with a higher ceiling at this uh, right and and then you throw Hoffman in there which I don't know if it's really the fit um I would have I would have expected to see somebody like a Gallagher or a Drew Ann there but I do understand why they put Gallagher with Dvorak on the third line which is more of a defensive minded um more of a defensive minded line and throwing Slavkovsky on there is going to, is going to make up for maybe some of those um, defensive deficiencies that he has at a current, uh, at a, at a young age. Yeah. He'll be well insulated on a line like that. Right. But like I, I said this in the past, like Hoffman didn't really do anything to impress me during the preseason. And it just kind of seems that he's, on the team to be on the team as at this point, like he's got the, yeah, he, he kind of serves one purpose and it's to, to, to be a, to be a shooter during the power play. And so far it really hasn't worked out. Yeah. And on that line, Hoffman and uh, Drew have been interchangeable. They've been taking turns on line rushes there. Right. right. And today it was per, per at least the Canadians website. Um, it was Drew swapping out with Gallagher on the third line. And obviously Gallagher is a much better choice to be on that line. So, you know, if you were to tell me that at the start of the year, that a guy like Drouin might be on the outside looking in for the opening day. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not, not sure what I would tell you, but um, from what I've seen from other players during, you know, and I, and I know that preseason wasn't, really anything to be excited about and yes i know it's the preseason but you still like to see some wins you still like to see some success you still like to see some um, effort some effort right from some of these some of these guys like some of them some of them played and they played well and they earned their time guys like evan guys like pitlick i thought they i thought they played well um I didn't see it in Hoffman and I, I, I wouldn't have put him on the roster. And, and the same thing yeah. is, and, and, and Drew, I was kind of a hit or miss guy as well, but I would still have him in the lineup over, over Hoffman at this point. And then we look at the fourth line, which is uh, the duo again. Like it, it just kind of seems like it's they're They're kind of doing a duo and then throwing in a throwing in a third. And the fourth line is um, Evans Pitlick with Dadnov and Pizzetta taking rushes. So personally, I would like, I, I feel that Dadnov brings more than somebody like Hoffman. I agree. But I, agree. I, but I'm, but I'm still surprised. I'm still surprised that right now you're looking at probably it's, it's very, it's a very good chance. You're going to see Hoffman and Pizzetta in over Drew and Dadnov. And, and, and some of this might just be based on um, effort level. Yeah, I agree. I think this is uh St. Louis kind of 
rewarding those who put in more effort in the preseason. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, they were more effective. It just means that you could tell that they were they were putting in their 100%. Their 100% may not have been the greatest, yeah. but they're trying. Yeah. They're, they, uh, they, were, they were engaged. They were doing their very best, and they were improving. Yeah, and this shift and this, shift, and this has to be and this has to be disappointing for someone like Drouin, yeah. who we all kind of looked at and said, "Oh, he's going to have the opportunity to be under Saint Louis." Look at how all these other players kind of took off under his guidance, and so far, I know it's still early, but it's it's not looking good. And I know that he made comments that they're not giving up on him and everything like that, but he's in a contract here. And there, yeah, there, exactly. there is a very good chance at this point that Jonathan Drouin may not finish his full tenure with the Canadians, and that he might be that he might be um, um, a trade deadline. Um, he might be someone that is dealt during the trade line, deadline, or maybe even before that. If yeah, if, no, a, if, a, if a the, match is there, and 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 I hope, I hope that for his sake, it is a um, it is a deal, and it is a uh, let's just call it like a, a departure from the team if it happens. Um, that's a healthy one. I think it is more likely that I will win the lottery than it is for <laughs> Drouin. To still be on this team come trade deadline, yeah. Um, and even on RDS, there was all kinds of talk. Uh, I mean, Benoit Brunet on RDS was was calling out the Canadians, telling them they have to move on from Drouin. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that this is it. This is yeah. The fact that he is not starting the season on at least a top nine role tells right. me that. The team is fed up with him. They want him to actually push for himself, force their hand, make them play him. They instead of that entitlement of, well, I'm making five point five. Yeah. I'm making five point five. I'm the French Canadian. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, right? I, I said like I I I'm not really I haven't really been impressed since he's been on the team. But at the same time, I don't want it to be like a messy breakup, you know what I mean? Well, it's going to be bad. I know, I, I know it will be, but for a guy that missed time, especially to do with mental health issues and everything, I yeah. don't want it to blow up as much as it probably will. If that I makes, if that, that makes any sense, yeah, no, it does. And I think that what St. Louis is doing is kind of a tough love situation. So he's gonna he's gonna push him. He's gonna push right. him to be better. And by doing that, I think. Drouin will actually improve pro- probably to the point where Hughes can finally trade him. Yeah. But like he, once he gets in the lineup, whether it is uh, tomorrow for the opening lineup or if it's the next game or the one after that, once he gets in the lineup, he has got to do something. Yeah, you don't just like, be, you're not right. just handed a spot. Yeah, he's not like it. he he can't coast. And I and yeah, I this hope, team's 
And I hope to see yeah. that. I hope to see that from a lot of the players. Like, I don't want to see them coached thinking that they're, that they're safe. I like, there's some guys you look and you're like, yeah, you're safe. You can have a bad game. You're, you're, uh, you're, you know, a cornerstone, a cor- cornerstone player of this, uh, of this franchise. But if I see guys like Hoffman, Dadnov, et cetera, that are putting zero effort in, then you sit their asses in the fucking press box. Well, that's the thing. I, with the Canadians are not going to be a very good hockey team. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to have to be competitive to remain entertaining yeah. at the very least. And that's where this effort level is going to be demanded from them. They're yeah. not going to, they have to give their very best to make the games entertaining and close. Right. But like, it's not going to be enough. So you, you got to like, at least give that. Like you're probably not making the player. That's that's prob- right. probably right. You're probably right. Right. You're probably not making the playoffs. You're probably. probably. Oh, I'm just throwing it in. Playoffs. <laughs> playoffs. Right? right. You're probably not making the playoffs. You're probably looking at a top ten pick. Um, you're probably likely going to to lose quite a few games. But I would be more comfortable them losing games but being a hard out like being a being a uh being still a tough team to play against and maybe yeah instead of i i don't want to see the shit that we saw last year and i know that they had injury after injury after injury and covid and all that other bullshit but it was what i want to see but but they were a fucking easy team to play against last year and i don't want to see that again this year what i want to see is the canadians of the second half yeah yeah if they can do that, then I think I think most fans would be satisfied with that. They're going to lose more games than they win, but they'll be fun to watch. Right. And as for the playoffs, obviously, I don't believe they're going to make it. And according to The Athletic, they had a point projection put together uh, for all the teams in the league. And the Canadians finished third last on their point projections with 66. And the was, uh, only two them. teams behind. The Arizona, only two teams below them Arizona, are Chicago. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So a top five pick, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. No, I do agree. I think if, it's a top 10. Yeah. If but, you do look, and if you do look at the, uh, at the, um, the prospects that'll be available in the top 10, it is a deeper draft this year. Oh, it's ridiculously right. deep. And it's a lot of guys that are going to be, first line players i mean right. obviously bedard is going to be considered a franchise type but right. then you have fantilli who could possibly be one uh right. leo uh carlson who's another yeah yeah mitchkov in there as well yeah if he ever leaves russia right if he's not conscripted to go fight the ukrainians <laughs> so uh, that's great. all right so that's, so that's the four that's the forward group that's the forward group so let's let's move on to the defense and this is where Things get interesting because there's three rookies yes. with uh, with Matheson out injured. That left the door open for Jack Eye to slide back in. Right. So for the pairings, we're looking at Gooley and Savard on the top pair. Which Remember, is probably Matheson the, is hurt. Right. It's probably the best two that you can have together at this point. Probably. Uh, then you have Jack Eye and Weidman. And then Harris and Kovacevic. Okay. So the only reason I think Kovacevic would be considered someone to pl- to dress 
is if Matheson is still out hurt. Yeah. He yeah. needs a little time to get acclimatized to the system, I believe. But it's probably going to be a trial by fire. You're pretty, he's probably going to be in. and Rolling right in. Yeah. He's probably going to be in and uh, hope for the best. He's wearing Josh George's own old number, so start jumping in front of pucks, right? So. Yeah. Well, and the thing, if they put him on the third pairing with someone like a Jordan Harris, I think that in sheltered minutes, I don't think he's going to be exposed too badly. So no, and and he played he, and he played he played a good defensive game at the AHL level, and he's put up some points, and he he gets pucks through and everything like that, and he's got a little bit of size, but that can give a six right? four two zero eight right, but it can give but it can give. Uh, Harris a little bit more freedom to move with a puck and he can play that defensive style. He can. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, which, which I think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. I believe that that's what we're going to see from them. I don't know how hemmed in they'll get uh, with the pairings that we've just mentioned. The <laughs> It's going to be a tough night against uh, the Maple Leafs. They've got a, they got a skilled, fast forward group. So guys like uh, Savard and Weidman are really going to have to step up their games. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what to expect from Kovacevic. So <laughs> pray pray he shows up and plays his best. Yeah. Um, Gooley and Jackeye, Harris, those are the rookies. So I'm expecting to see them have moments where they're really good and then moments where they completely crap the bed. And how they how they do through that game, if they keep repeating the same error, then I would say that that's a problem. But if it's just a, a you know, a different, they make a several mistakes, but each one's different, then right. I'm not too concerned. Right. Um, <laughs> the thing is with uh, Edmondson and uh, Matheson out, that blue line is super thin. Yes. But then, now, but there's, then there's still but size then what, on it. Right. But then once once you get them into the lineup. It's still not the greatest lineup, but no. it, it 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 significantly improves. And I thought Matheson, yeah. I thought Matheson looked great during the preseason. I think he's going to end up being the Canadians' best defenseman this year, as he should be, as he should be. Yeah. Right. Um, but if both of them return, both Edmondson and Matheson return, that opens the door to the Canadians finally doing that rotation on the blue line for these young defensemen. Yeah. And with the claim of Kovacevic, a right-hand defenseman, that opened the door for them to send Barron down. Now, Barron had a lot, played a lot in that preseason. He did, and, and he, he, he didn't look the best. And they made the right decision. Oh, I agree. Uh, he had moments where he looked pretty good. He did, on the, on the, on the, on the offensive side. And, like, he's got that yeah. shot, and but he he needs to be stronger defensively and going down to the yeah. AHL, he's going to get those top minutes and he's going to be able to work on his game. Absolutely. You, you give him another year in the AHL. I think he's, he's ready to go. Right. Um, now that that's just yet another name to help the Laval rocket. I mean, this is a team last year that finished in the Eastern conference final in the AHL and they've improved in my opinion. Right. So, Let's so, see what they do. So you bring, say, you bring Matheson back into the fold. You bring yeah. him in, and you bring 
Edmondson in, who goes down? Well, that's the thing. It's a rotation at that point. It's Gooley, Jacki, and Harris that are going to take turns. Right. I would say Gooley's so got I, the upper. Got, he's got the upper hand as of right now. I think so. I think you start because, with him because uh, um, the new fellow that they picked up. I still can't say his name. Kovacevic or or was it Kovacevic? Yeah, I don't. All right, I'll have to hear it. I, I, just like Jack, I'll have to, have to find out how to say it. But um, he isn't waivers. Ella, he has to go through waivers. That's correct. Right. So I can see them if they put the if they put a claim in for him, and he's on a three year deal. I think that he's going to be the guy that's going to be the the six seven. Yes. Right. Right. So and they're gonna and they're gonna want to try to just hold on to him and see what the see what he's got. Um. But yeah, I can see probably it being Harrison Jack going down first, making room. Yeah. And yeah. then and then all of a sudden you've got a line of say, Gooley still with Savard, and then Evanston playing with Matheson, or things get. Or, and then you've got probably Weidman with Harris or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Edmondson can play either side. So it's, right. there's there's some options there. Um, Kovacevic, Kovacevic, however it's supposed to be pronounced, we'll figure out eventually. <laughs> but um, he's a guy who played at Merrimack College. He played in, Boston, in the Boston area. So you, right there, you know that Hughes is very familiar with him. He he knows what his game is, and from all accounts, Murray Atez, uh, Murat Atez out of uh, Winnipeg, went on about him, and it's he felt there was a loss for Winnipeg, not not like crippling, but yeah. um, he he's a guy that they felt uh, that the uh, that he felt could step in and play an NHL role right now, and, and if he does, if he can. That would help the Canadians. At the very least, an NHL quality defenseman on a third pairing is pretty much what they need. Yeah, and we were kind of just sitting back and waiting uh, for Hughes to put in a waiver claim against someone, and it was and kind was of, him. and it was kind of every time a defenseman got put up, or every time a you know guy from Quebec got put up, uh, Twitter kind of lit up and said, "Oh, this is the guy that they're going to pick up," and. Uh, don't know a lot about him, but I'm hoping for the best and that um, that he can step in and just be a, a solid third-pairing guy that can uh, eat up some minutes and just hope for the best. Hopefully he makes the most of his opportunity with his new team. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not expecting a ton, so no. the bar is set low for expectations. As is the rest of the team. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, and uh, moving on to goaltenders, there's it's a no-doubter. Primo needs time to uh, to uh, to develop, so sent down to Laval. That leaves Jake Allen and Semyon Montambo as the uh, as the tandem in Montreal. So, and, he, and and either way, like if Montambo or Primo was the backup, they both need help. They both need. They both need like they're they're both going to struggle at the NHL level. Um, 
one a little bit more than the other, but Allen is going to be the guy, and we already knew that. And I wouldn't be surprised. I want to say I wouldn't be surprised they went out and got another goaltender, but at this point, I don't think they will. I think they're just going to roll with it, but it's going to really depend. It's going to really depend on the quality of the starts that you get from Allen compared to the quality of the starts you get for Montembeau. If he struggles and it's like he goes like 0-5, 0-6, something like that, they've got to start. Like, it can't just be, well, our only opportunity to win is with Allen and that. Well, if they can come back and this season play to the level that they played in last year. So Allen had a 905 save percentage. Uh, Montembeau had an 892. If they do just that, then the Canadians are going to be barely passable in net. And that's kind of what the expectation is, to be honest. Right. right. But I don't want to see those games like last year where they were lit up for five, six, seven goals. I don't think they're going to get lit up. I just feel that when the game is close, there'll probably be a banana given up at the wrong time, and that'll kind of crush the team's right. chances at a win. Right. It's that kind of thing that I expect. I, I you know, I think the games are going to be close enough. I think it'll be 5-4, uh, 4-3, but the the winning goal or one of the one of the goals is going to be this absolute stinker and that'll make the difference in the whether it's a win or a loss yeah uh all right so that is the lineup um (laughs) uh, we're probably gonna see that so against the leafs tomorrow night uh caulfield suzuki anderson line two monahan doc hoffman Line three, Slavkovsky, Dvorak, Gallagher. Uh, line four, Pitlick, Evans, Dadanov. And on defense, Gouli and Savard, Jack I and Weidman, Harris and Kovacevic, and in net to start, Allen. So this is, <laughs> woo, it's going to be a tough night, I think. Um, the power play itself, they were practicing uh, several different setups but the main power play unit was anderson suzuki monahan caulfield and weidman uh i'm gonna be interested to see how uh monahan and suzuki work together to get caulfield his, his looks and suzuki's got an underrated shot as well he does. I mean, right. so can... so having another guy out there in Monaghan that can distribute the puck is, is might be beneficial. Yeah, and Suzuki's shot is good enough for them to have to respect it to open right. up passing lanes. Right. But it's quite obvious that Caulfield is the power play weapon here. Right, and it really gives them like Anderson. Anderson's most more like more there for puck retrieval and uh, a presence. Um, that's not a knock on him, obviously, but right now no. you're looking at that line really being made up of three passers and a shooter with, with, with Weidman, Suzuki and, uh, with Weidman, Suzuki and Monaghan, they can all distribute the puck. The, yeah. the, the guy that can really wire it is Caulfield. And as long as they don't make it too predictable, 
like a la Ovechkin, but fuck, it's worked for him and he's got 700 and some goals. <laughs> so obviously it works for him, but you know what I mean? He can't be too predictable. Like where, when, when Weber was there and now it's kind of the same thing as Caulfield. So yeah. if they, if they and can I'm... use, if they can use some movement, it's, it's going to be very beneficial for them. And, and, and it can really, it can really turn Suzuki into a, uh, to really take him to the next level. It could. Uh, it could uh, pump up his uh, overall stats totals by as many as 10 points, especially if the power play starts to become something uh, passable. I mean, they were, yeah. they were nearly dead last in the power play last year. Uh, if they can find a way to move themselves to close to the middle of the pack, yeah. it would be a massive leap forward. That's right. And we'd be looking at, several extra points on the totals for all these players. And I think Caulfield is probably going to be with the most, uh, the biggest bump in points based on the power play. He had, I think it was four power play goals last year. And I'm expecting 15 from him this year on the power play. I'm I'm good. I'm good with that. (laughs) Yep. I've, my guess is half of his goals. I'm expecting him to score three. I think half of those are going to be on the power play. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, On the second pairing, uh, the second power play unit, sorry. um, Kirby Doc is on there. And I think he's one of those guys that they could, they're going to probably shift back and forth. So between the first and the second wave. So I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing that the Canadians have a better arsenal. So I want to see how it does. So the power play is going to be important for them to keep games close, but not as important as their penalty killing units. And last year, their penalty kill was atrocious. It was. It was was horrible. It was like 75%. So if they can find some way, somehow, to get this culture to say 80%, that's about one less goal per game against on, like average, you know, on the penalty kill or every couple of games. Either way, it's less goals against. Absolutely. And that's important, especially especially with a team that's such a young defense and, you know, shaky goaltending. Yeah. Uh, now, moving on to the call-ups. Like, we, we talked earlier about the defense and how we expect a rotation to go through there. So Gooley, Jack, I Harris automatically they're the guys that are going to be going up and down. We know about them. Who else do you feel is going to be uh, ripe for call-ups? So you've got some, you've got four other players that are waivers exempt uh, being Baron Norlander, Fairbrother and Laskin. And they're all waivers exempt. So that only leaves Schooneman and Bowie. Um, it's going to really depend on how the guys are doing in Laval. If uh, if it's if it's the the right move and the best move to keep them there, I would rather see a guy in say Schooneman come up first, as opposed to Baron or Nora Linder or somebody like that. That's what that's what I would personally do. 
Okay. Well, and if you do bring up a Shuneman, you're bringing him up to keep him for quite some time. Yeah. But I would, I would be, I would be, uh, if he's, if he was a guy that would have to pass through waivers to go through, I'd probably be okay with that. I don't think yeah. he's, I don't, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's a, uh, a long-term project for them. Same thing as Bowie. No, I think they're both placeholders. Right. But it's really what you're looking for. And I would be more, I would be, I'd be more comfortable bringing them up. And I, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was the first one to get the call. Um, yeah, I I think that's, that's quite possible at the same time though. I mean, Schooneman and Bowie, would probably will probably be the top pair in Laval. So I don't know if if Laval's rolling and the young guys are playing well and they're they're well insulated down there and they're in the right roles or you know they're they're in the roles that they've earned to that point. I don't know if pulling both of them out or one of them out would be the best possible use of a call up. It's just one of those <laughs> There's a shell game involved, and that's that's one of those things that you have to kind of keep in the back of your po- your mind. I do agree that Schooneman and Bowie both are probably going to be called up through the season, but I think maybe the first one, if you're going to call someone up on defense, it'll be someone that you can that you don't need waivers to send back, and someone that will play like a second pair or third pair role. So a Norlander okay. or, or a or right, Leskinen, Leskinen, probably, yeah. yeah. Because Leskinen is still waiver exempt, he is, and uh, restricted free agent at the end of the year, and he's one of those guys that it's like, you went and played overseas last year, we brought you back, let's see what you can do. Yeah, and he can play both the left and the right yeah. side. Yeah, and I think that's that is a big selling feature for this lineup, considering the injuries and the lack of experience on both sides of right. the, <laughs> the blue line. Right. Um. But but up front. Who do you think is going to be a call-up first? Harvey Bernard. Okay. Yeah. I would say, like, I, I just like, I just, I like his game. He can play, he can play both wings. He's got a constant motor. And uh, for a guy that's, was a late ra- late draft pick, he's really, a, he's really a really, he's a good story. And he put up, let's see, he put up 56 points last year with Laval. Yep. And I, I he thought... He led I, the team last year. Yeah, and he put up 10 points in the playoffs. And, and I think that uh, him and Richard, who would be my second pick, I thought that outside of the really young players and obviously the guys that made the team, I thought those were the two that kind of turned, turned the most heads for the right reasons. So I can yeah. see, so I can see Richard, who is another, uh, he's from Trois-Rivières. Uh, he's another guy that I can see getting that opportunity. Um, played last year uh, with Milwaukee and Syracuse, uh, combined 17 goals and 38 points. And, 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 I, and a strong I, camp too. Yeah, he did. He did. And the two of them played well together. So I wouldn't be surprised if the two of them get a little bit of a, um, they're a little, they're a duo. Let's just say that. Right. Yeah. And for me, again, depending on who gets hurt 
or yeah. who needs to be replaced. That'll that'll dictate who gets a call up. But right. for me, I think the first call up is more than likely going to be Jesse yes, Yelonen. Yeah, and he's waiver and he's waivers exempt as well. And he and exactly. he he is uh, he's a he's a very good tool in the power play. He's very it's it's kind of underrated. The uh, his passing and his shot are very um, very underrated. And yeah. and and I and I think that uh, if he's healthy, it'll be it'll be very beneficial for him to get that playing time and and uh, be at all situations type player. Um, I could see him being being right up there as a he would he would have been my my number three at that point. Um, right now, the only players that aren't waivers exempt are Schnarr. Belzil, Richard, and Mitchell Stevens. But I, yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that. Like I just, I just like Richard's game. But I, as I said, I, it would be Harvey Pernard would be my first pick. Um, it's really going to depend on what's going on in Laval at the time. Um, Belzil was just named captain. So he's going to be playing with a little bit more chip on his shoulder and we'll see if he can stay healthy because the last few years have not been, uh, have not been um, good for him when he's in the lineup. He's great, but he goes down and he goes down for a while. So that would be, that, that would be, that would be the guy I'd be looking at. And don't be surprised depending on how he's looking, if he stays in Laval, if uh, Messer doesn't get a, doesn't get a look. It's quite possible because he's he's capable of playing all three forward positions, yeah. so that makes him versatile enough. Right. Um, but if they're looking for bottom six type yeah. of guy, yeah, yeah. it's yeah with some some experience. I think Belzil is a good choice because he's got the experience. Right. But I also think Mitchell Stevens is a good choice because if once you're done with uh, with him filling the role and you lose if you lose him on waivers. It won't hurt as much as it, losing Belzil because Belzil is the captain to right, Laval. Right, right, yeah. So yeah, those are, I think, all quite good options yeah. based on what the Canadians are going to need. Yeah. And let's be honest, they're not going to make the difference between finishing third last or seventh last. There's right. not going to be much difference based right. on their call ups. Right. So, huh. and then when that it comes to goaltending, to, you keep yeah. fucking Primo there at all cost. Absolutely. If you right. need to make a, a goalie call up, you sign Poulain to his NHL deal right. and call his ass up, or use one of your five thousand, you know, prospects. Some of them, some of them are kind of lower end prospects. You yeah. Trade one of them for a, a replacement level goalie. That's right. Or you use an extra seventh round pick or something like that. And you just, and you yeah. just, you just make, you make the deal um, to shelter one of your young players. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that takes us to a bold prediction. Do you have a bold prediction? I'll let you go first. I'll think of one. okay um my bold prediction will be that oh damn 
I think I think Gooley will be the top rookie in, for the Canadians, and he will have actual votes for the Calder Trophy, and he'll finish with thirty points. Wow! I bold. I said bold. Yeah, pretty freaking bold. That's definitely bold. I'm not saying the team's going to win more games. That would just be ridiculous. I'm right. going <laughs> to keep it bold, but not crazy. Okay, I will. I will. I'll go bold. I will say that the Canadians will have a minimum of four twenty goal scorers this year. Ooh, how many of them are going to get traded? None of them. Sorry, Dad, Nob, and Drew. Uh, Are you boys uh, scoring I will say, I, I will say I will say a minimum of four. Um, with Caulfield leading the way, okay. and I'll even I'll even and and I think uh, Gallagher is going to have a really big bounce back here. God, I you know honestly think. I don't think that's a that's too bold. I think he's based on what he had last year. The year he had was so bad. Yeah. It won't be too hard for him to bounce back. Yeah. Well, he hasn't he had he, like hasn't, else. He, he hasn't played a full year since the 18-19 season. And that year he put up 52 points with 33 goals. Um the next year he put up 22 goals in 59 games with 43 points. And then injury and then injury. So 35 games, put up 14 goals. And then he put up seven last year in 56. So I am going to, I'm going to, I'm throwing him in there as one of the guys that's going to score 20 with Caulfield, okay. with, with Caulfield, Suzuki and Anderson. I'll get in 20. I like it. I go. like it. Yeah. It's, and they kind of do need Gallagher to do, to kind of step up his game too just to help support Suzuki because Suzuki's right. going to be under a lot of pressure. Gallagher's an assistant. Edmondson is out injured again, and God only knows how many games he'll play this year because it's his back again. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm hoping you're right. I hope I'm, I'm right gonna... too. <laughs> I hope that I'm <laughs> lowballing them, to be honest. <laughs> I hope they're We're listening. All gonna score 50. Yeah, I hope they're listening right now. We got yeah. 50 goal scorers everywhere. Yeah, Hoffman comes out of nowhere and scores like 60 goals this year. <laughs> Just every I guess time we'll we... get a first round pick. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So that pretty much does it for this episode. Uh, Treg was unable to join us. He sends his, his, uh, his regards to everybody, especially his new friends at Locked On Senators. He's making friends and influencing people everywhere. Yeah. So uh, for for our new hate hate followers, uh, thanks for the hits. Keep them coming. Uh, And for our regular listeners who actually respect us enough to send us emails, interact with us, you know, listen to the show and not pick on us a lot. I mean, they do a little, but. Not a lot. I want to thank you for doing uh, for listening to us and helping us out. Now, Matt, 
what do you got? Yeah, one more thing to add. So Sportsnet Stats put this out probably about 45 minutes ago. And um, the Montreal Canadiens have the most Canadians on their active opening night roster among all NHL teams with 17. Man, that sounds like something, I don't know, a team that has a leaf on their jersey or <laughs> is in the nation's capital should be doing, but no. I don't, I don't think that's going to help them standing. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how those. Uh, we'll see how those players do. That's all I can say. Well, it's a good. All I'm going to say is there's a good thing there's so many Canadians on the roster because after the end after the season they can all just stand in line and say sorry. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, I am. I am really hoping for the. Uh, for the best case scenario this season, um, I'll throw it out there. I was at. The Leaf, or the I was oh, pretty much the Leafs game. Uh, I was at the Blue Jays game on Saturday where they lost, uh, where they lost after being up eight to one. So, uh, they yeah, choked, yeah. So, as long as we don't see any moments like that for the Canadians this year, I'm pro, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I think, I think we're okay. There won't be any Austin Matthews on this team to uh, <laughs> cause that choke to happen. So, oh my it, god, there you go. Um, <laughs> So let's just dive out of this episode like a Stutzel would. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.